0: Wolfcast.
1: <laughs> so, welcome to one more episode of the Wolfcast. Slowly, slowly, we are reaching our six episodes, uh, so, six months of podcast. And on these uh, episodes, I have the pleasure to interview Lucas. Lucas is a host in, in Portugal. And uh, yes, welcome, Lucas.
0: Yeah. Hello. Thank you very much for um, having me on the show. Um, I'm Lucas um, and I live in, in Portugal. I have um, uh, a project, uh, a farm, and I'm 33 years old and I am descendant of uh, Germans. My parents came from Germany to Portugal in 1987, bought a farm here and uh, were in search of a better life and um, also because of the incident of Chernobyl, they were a little bit worried about atomic uh, energy use. So they came to Portugal and bought a two hectare farm and yeah, that's that's where I grew up. Um, learning about organic agriculture um, and having to live from the land, living having to live uh, and care for animals, care for the land as well. And that's where my journey started basically.
1: Cool. And uh, your parents were receiving wolfers already? Huh?
0: Yeah, my parents they they started receiving uh, wolfers in 1995. Um, <laughs> it's funny because back then uh, there was no Woof website and uh, anything like that. But there was a booklet, so you could go uh, in specific places and uh, as a host you could sign up for the book. So you would pay a small amount and you would um, get your contact details and a very small text uh, in, in that booklet. And then people that wanted to go volunteering could buy the booklet and uh, as they are on the travels, um, check for uh, availability of hosts and ask if they could come and it would be funny because sometimes it would take a long time because people still would use mail (laughs) back then so uh, until you had a proper confirmation of somebody coming it could take a month easily and other times uh, yeah there was just a phone call and then a week or two weeks later somebody was there and so I was introduced to um, WooF and volunteering at a very young age I was only 6-7 um, when the first volunteers um, came and most of them were from Germany at that time
1: yeah, interesting this book letters was really a different paradigm all the yeah? people use it to this quick communication, quick uh, uh, agreements with the host. But imagine you would write a letter and wait for the reply. And uh, was really, really interesting. Different approach, huh? I guess.
0: Yeah, and and funny stories too, like uh, sometimes you would get a letter in in French. My my parents knew some French, so they could actually answer, but it was still uh, funny to see them trying to decipher um, what actually was uh, being said and figuring out if it would actually be good to... um, have them coming and helping um, if there was not too many um, communication problems. Without, because nowadays without
1: Google Translator, <laughs> yeah. Because nowadays is
0: is a lot easier. But back then, if you would have somebody and you could not really communicate well, it was very difficult. I mean, for them to learn and for for uh, my parents as a host to give them instructions. Yeah. Do
1: you see do you see any, any difference between the the, the volunteers of that time and the the volunteers nowadays
0: that more use it to this more quick uh, agreements. I'm sure there are big differences, uh, for instance, we would receive, I mean we were a family as well, so um, I have two sisters and uh, so we were five already in the house and um, So I think that contributed to my parents receiving more uh, family requests. So while we were younger, there were often uh, two parents and one kid or two kids. And that was actually nice for us kids as well, because we had some other kids to play with. we didn't have so many young people and I think we had more adventurous people in, in the sense of they would just go out and uh, let's see what life brings uh, and not think and plan too much and nowadays it seems like everything has to be planned to the furthest detail and be talked about um, so that there is, is 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 clearance of what is going to happen and what is not going to happen there's not so much an adventurous um, uh, way of thinking anymore i think as it was back then and we have a lot more uh, young people nowadays coming over the over the platforms i think for young people it's very easy to to use uh, a platform like woof uh, for volunteering nowadays it's um it's it's a great way of of it's it's comparable to a lot of other applications. So so they basically just go on and have a look and scroll through, and if they see something that interests them, they they probably apply to that farm. And uh, that the younger generation is 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 more um, is is easier going on the technology. So uh, that for them is quite easy, I think, to to apply at a farm, and for older people it's not sometimes. <laughs>
1: And then after, when you grow up, you you begin to receive volunteers yourself. You made your own farm, you set up your own farm and you begin to... Can you tell them a little bit about this transition?
0: Oh, it was a was an interesting transition. Um, we received volunteers until um, 2004 or um at my parents' farm. And then my parents divorced, so uh, there was no more volunteering because Things were messy. And after a couple of years, I I went to school and then I started programming um, in in a town nearby. And then I went working for a year. And in all this time, the whole farm or the project of my parents was um, laid flat. So they didn't really do much. Brambles were overgrowing the whole property. Everything was going crazy. Uh, And there was a huge fire risk involved as well. And so, after a year of work, um, I thought, okay, I'm gonna go study um, at night, do a night course. But during the day, I want to do something about my parents' farm, um, use the space, make it make it profitable again, or or at least not as um, costly as it was at that time. And so, um, with only 20 years old, I started to. Um, yeah, manage um, a couple of uh, volunteers first that came over and a couple of friends to our project and we started clearing the worst out and actually uh, redoing and repurposing the farm and repairing lots of things that needed to be repaired after such a long time. And so that project we called Quinta do um and we uh, we restarted our subscription with Wolf Portugal in 2013 and uh, that was very good because we then received a lot of requests I mean during those times um, I think we had very very good and accurate description of the farm it was very detailed it was very Forward. so it, it, it's good for hosts in general I think to to have a very good description as good as they can do because uh, and clear like like clear um, rules like uh, after nine o'clock no noise or whatever it is but it has to be clear and that would make it a lot uh, very attractive for the younger generation for for younger volunteers um, to sign up for because they they know what they are expected to do and if the description is very um broad then you you don't have that so much yeah so we had a good description and we got a lot of uh, a lot of helpers during that time and for the next 3 4 years um 3 years 3 years uh, we ran the project we had uh, in in those no, in 2 years we had over 300 volunteers during that time very demanding um to uh to keep up with uh emails uh cooking going shopping picking up people bringing people away it was a lot of management at the end i did more management than work i think <laughs> because i was constantly running and i did a lot of hours of uh per day as a host so i, I think my days some of them were 12 hours uh, where I would do something but i had a lot of fun it was uh, it was uh, great time during my life Uh, at night um, there was always uh, a lot of people around a big table we would play card games Um, we had a couple senior volunteers during those times as well which uh, had a blessed time as well they were so happy one of those seniors is living with us now Um, he's an old captain Yeah, uh, when he came to us first he was 72 and his wife recently passed away and so he was a little bit lost in life and uh, yeah, he came to Portugal, um, stayed with us for um, 6 or 7 months then had a look around Portugal, went to Aveiro and after 3 or 4 years called us and said can I come back uh, and live with you guys, I really enjoyed it there. Oh man, so beautiful. He is uh, his lips, and uh, he's now um, he will be eighty this year. <laughs> so wow,
1: a big uh, birthday party.
0: Yeah, he, he will actually fly to Germany and uh, have his birthday party with the family, which is which is good, which is an improvement for for him as well. Yeah.
1: And then Lucas, and after all this involvement uh, in your own projects, then you got involved in the Uf Portugal organization itself. Is this right?
0: Yes. And then later on, um, we started our own project, which uh, was Casa de, de Znove, which was separate from my parents' farm. It's still on the same property, but a different house and a different project. And uh, because of that, uh, we were invited to a wolf gathering, um, which was at Kila Yoga Farm in Guarda. And um, there um, we uh, were talking of what we maybe can do better, how we can improve, um, move, how we can get more people to um, live this kind of lifestyle and a lot of good ideas were thrown it- at each other and at the end um, um, we were asked if we would like to or if I would like to join the board and uh, participate in uh, monthly meetings um, and annual gatherings and uh, overall just try to uh, make Woof uh, a bigger part of Portugal and of, um, of the rest of the world, I guess.
1: <laughs> yes, and it was a really nice job. It was, uh, it was a really nice uh, direction of Portugal in this moment and uh, yeah and this is the this is nice thing about woof in general. It's uh, people like your know, history is open, it's very representative. You grow in a woof farm. You become a UFO yourself, and then you become involved in the organization. So it's uh, it's interesting. Like everybody gives a little bit to the movement or the organization or hosting or volunteering, and uh, yeah, and this big this big uh, worldwide family of uh, exchanges somehow in all levels. And uh, Lucas, and I think not everything is uh, wonderful and perfect. Did you have any, any bad history with
0: the woofers? Oh, we had, we had a couple of bad histories. Um, it is, it is never easy as a host uh, if 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 you live together with volunteers in the same house to be the one that imposes all the rules because you don't want to be the person that says no all the time or the person that um, has to. Uh, be the bad man in in, in a sense so um, I think a lot of things have to do with behavior and uh, the the kind of lifestyle we live has uh, put us in a direction where we I think are very giving so we try to give as much as we can but obviously there, there are things that don't make sense or if you think about them they would, that you wouldn't do. So one example, uh, we had a volunteer from a northern country, uh, well it doesn't matter, but the, the the problem with this volunteer was that uh, we, we showed him everything on the farm, we explained that we have a dehydrator um, to do uh, dried uh, fruits and, and vegetables and uh, we used the dehydrator to dehydrate bananas so obviously bananas don't grow on our farm, so we buy them uh, to dehydrate them and to have them in winter and we normally buy them in discount. but, That doesn't mean that uh, the bananas are there for everybody to eat, we just showed, we gave one to taste and we said, well, this is our stash that we use when we go on markets or um, if we want to make some sort of uh, cookies or or raw bars or something with these dehydrated fruits that we're actually going to make some profit from. And this, this person enjoyed this uh, this this uh, <laughs> tasty, um, tasty dehydrated fruit so much that uh, he was sneaky and at night uh, would just go and eat a bunch. <laughs> oh, and obviously we don't look at the, the, the jar every day, but after a week we looked at it it's like, what happened to that jar? And as we had other volunteers around and we asked, we started asking around. And so one of the volunteers that came later, Um, thought they could just take whatever they wanted and uh, they were eating them together at night when nobody was looking and uh, that was a big dispute because um, there was an investment for us and it's, it's something that we really liked. To show other people because most of these people or most of the people never tried dehydrated banana they tried fried banana what you have in a in a wesley or, or something a dehydrated banana is basically just na- nature's candy it's 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 really really nice it's 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 like a like a gummy bear but softer and it's completely um gained from nature so o- of course it's nice but not in this way. That was one example and there was another example. This normally happens with younger people. Um, So younger volunteers that come to a farm that have lived all their life with their parents or uh, in a way that they don't have to be that responsible for going shopping or making sure the right amount of groceries is in the house. These kind of people are then problematic because they cannot integrate themselves in a system where you actually have to be responsible. You have to think about what you consume, you have to think about um, how much input went into that and how much work went into that. So we have a freezer and in summer we pick, um, we pick red berries like strawberries, uh, raspberries and we pick them and we maybe have like six or seven or eight kilo and we put it in the freezer and whenever we want to make a cake or something, we use that. And when I went around, I showed almost every volunteer what we have, like, okay, this is the freezer, when we want something from the freezer, we will tell you go get some baked uh, broad beans or go get this from the freezer. Here is the freezer, you know where it is. And it's also the jammery next to it, so we also show the jams that we make here at home. We make a lot of jams and uh, other canned things. And we said, yeah, uh, we have this here for uh, special occasions and for cakes. And we had a person that had a very um, strange whole wheat diet. Um, and he would basically not eat any processed food except uh, peanut butter, which didn't make sense to me. Processed like <laughs> at all, crushed, like like only whole foods. Wow. Um, and then we asked what about olive oil? We have our own olive oil, we produce our own olive oil and he wouldn't even try that. So it was very strange for us to deal with that kind of extreme eating habits that are so far out of the random of, of, of anybody else's. But obviously as uh, fruits, they were not processed and they were in the freezer. Uh, he just started to go there and put it in his muesli and this and that. And at some point I just had to say um, to him, have, uh, have a think about I mean, what you're consuming doesn't come out of a supermarket. It's not going in, paying one or two euros and going home with a bag. This is work that other volunteers have done. This is work that we have done. And you are consuming it at a pace where you could not work uh, enough to put back in what you're taking out. And obviously this makes people think, but they don't think about this. And this is very difficult, I think, to teach some people if they if they don't have an open mindset, if they haven't traveled at all, if they have never done a volunteering, because all this makes you receptive to uh, understanding what is actually involved, what's behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think people are not used to the value, but if people pay, already pick up uh, berries they know the hell of work to pick up one kilo of berries you know so then, then they give the extra value you know the value you know the cost of that product and while uh, if people are not never exposed to to a farming or to a uh, countryside experience uh, the courses are euros and not uh, hours of work you know the uh, hours of work is more valuable in my in my opinion yeah and uh, and but you know it's it's super interesting the, your, your approach actually that's uh instead of blaming the woofer you try to teach him and to show him uh and to teach him the value of that berries you know that's not 2 euros 10 euros 100 euros or ever the value is that is the time and the, the the love that people put to pick it up so we, we need to to appreciate it and, and then and then I, I think it is balancing because uh for sure, on the orange season, you eat as much orange as you want, you no, know, because you, you need to get rid of it, so on the apple season or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think it's quite interesting to, to, to teach the volunteers uh, to adapt the diet for what the nature are giving to them on that moment
0: yeah i think this is maybe something even in the corporation or in a video is 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 good to talk about or make maybe a video about this for um volunteers to have an idea of what's behind it just just so they don't forget the value of the work behind it like we just talked about because it's it's really important and i think it's probably a big concern of a lot of farms when um when they get volunteers that uh, they have to teach them that there is different value behind what they produce and what they have and uh, often the resources they use than compared to city life where you go to a supermarket and it's available. Yes indeed,
1: and uh, Lucas, uh, keep talking about your farm, you have a very interesting uh, water heating system at your place, would you like to briefly talk about it?
0: Oh yes, I would. It's actually interesting because uh, this uh, this technique we're using nowadays is a hot um, hot composting technique. Um, you can find it as uh, described as well as bio-miler. Um and um, it all started because of woof <laughs> in a way. Uh, so the years the years of uh, 2013 2014 when we had 300 volunteers one of the main costs was uh, either electricity um, at that time to heat up the water or another option would have been propane or bottled gas Um, and these options are not really valid if you have that many people passing through your farm so I was I was in charge of 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 doing all the accounting while we were in the project and and making uh, sure there was enough money at the end of the month and after only three or four months I could see we would go we were going nowhere with the way we were spending electricity to heat up water and how unsustainable it was as well and in my childhood my parents or my father is an engineer he had actually built um, a uh, solar um, collector which is a black PVC piping coil top and uh, isolated uh, on a, behind with stir styrofoam and with a wood frame. And then it had a plastic um, layer on top like you would use for a greenhouse, so a transparent one. Okay. And that was sufficient for us as a family to uh, have all the showers that we wanted. Even in winter it worked very well. Obviously there is always a few times where it's raining for a week and it's not working but uh, for those times we have to make exceptions i guess and in that case we can heat up some water and uh, make a hot tub or something something else so because of all these um, expenses um, i started looking at alternative ways of heating the water and i was quite fond of composting in general because uh, by composting, we was was one of the best ways of improving the soil quality of our garden. And by doing compost piles, uh, I saw the potential of how much heat they actually generate. And it is uh, it was um, it was also related to a visit uh, I had with my girlfriend Rafa, when we went to Turkey as uh, volunteers to. To see the other side to not only be a host but also be a volunteer and to know both sides which is uh, very important for um, better management. Um, we were at the farm which they were teaching permaculture principles and they were actually doing a compost pile that um, was done in one month. So in one month you have usable soil to, to, to use in the garden and I was fascinated also, by that one, I had that one in my in my mind, um, that experience, because the compost, of course, heated up a lot uh, to sixty-five degrees, and we had to turn it every two days, and. It was The material was almost gone after, after, after that month and you could really use it as, as compost in the garden. And so I, I replicated that. I, I used everything um, that is uh, organic based that was relatively thin like uh, grass cuttings, grass clippings and mixed everything together with some manure and I made a pile and coiled uh, a, small, a small hose in it. And uh, for a month, we had hot water above 45 degrees with that pile. For um, two showers, there was not so much water in the in the pipes, so you only had about 35 uh, liters, um, because it was a very thin pipe and because it was a small pile. But the concept worked, but it only worked for a month. So after four weeks the water temperature went down to 44 43 and so on and after six uh weeks um four weeks six weeks uh the temperature was um uh, body temperature so 37 degrees and um, was only nice to take a shower during the day and basically then we uh took away the pile and most of the of the of the stuff we were composting was uh, almost uh, decomposed by that time. And I read read up about um, if there are other ways of uh, doing this, uh, maybe in a way that it lasts longer, maybe bigger piles, and uh, I came across wood chips, uh, which are basically just the branches and the leaves uh, shredded uh, to be a lot smaller. it's also the material that has been used for pallet making, wood chips. Um, So the wood chips...
1: um, Can I just uh, tell something to our listeners? Um, Portugal have a huge problem with uh, with forest fires, so... uh...
0: Yeah, yeah, it's related to that as well. Is really good example because it, uh, it, uh, we had a we had a huge fire in Portugal in, in in 2017 in October. So when when olive harvesting is, which is in November, October or November, um, there can still be a huge fire risk. And uh, what people normally do after the harvest of the olives, um, where they cut a lot of branches off, uh, some trees even are. Completely naked, which is a little bit, I think, too much. But it's for some people, it's the Portuguese way of uh, harvesting and uh, doing a harvest. And uh, so they burn the leftovers, they burn the branches, the leaves, and everything. And there's oil in the leaves, and often uh, the leaves fly because they are lighter than the branches when the fire gets very big. So it's a fire risk, um, and it has to be managed. So they. Ha- there should nowadays only make fires if uh, if the fire risk is uh, low and uh, if the government gave authorization for making fires. Um, so we uh, started to look at the, all these branches and uh, what to do with them and I really wanted to try wood chips out so because in portugal i couldn't find it i was looking in the internet on platforms like olx and facebook if anybody sells wood chips no there's nobody selling wood chips why it's not it's a technology that is not being used here so actually we ordered a wood chipper from germany um and this wood chipper Because lack of experience, obviously, I I choose the wood chipper that had hammers, a system with hammers, so it's a rotative system where hammers um, actually uh, smash the branches and then throw them out. And then there was another uh, site where you could shred something a little bit bigger, like a bigger branch. And uh, we did a pile with that and the pile lasted a year. So we had a year of water uh, of hot water, uh, which was above uh, forty degrees, until uh, nine nine months into that year. So um, uh, above fifty degrees. Yes. Looks magic. <laughs> And it was very, very nice because the pipe we used uh, was a thin irrigation pipe, a 16 millimeter pipe and very, very thin. And because of this slow composting cooking method where the pipes are in the compost, actually, the water is in the pipes. So the compost heats up the pipes, the pipes pass the heat to the water. And then when we open the tap and let that water out, that water is the water we use for shower or for washing dishes. Um, perfect. It's really perfect cycle and that water was actually uh, smelling like olive so you had a little bit of that olive smell it was great <laughs> nice. it was really nice nice
1: one, Lucas. well unfortunately we are we are running out of time lucas i know we can have a lot of things maybe we can book another episode for the future with you again
0: yeah if you have i would have i think a lot of things to talk about uh, hopefully i i um, talked about the most important ones <laughs>
1: Thank you for being with, uh, with us, Lucas. And uh, yeah, hopefully we you not lots, lots of nice woofers again on your farm.
0: Yeah, I I, I wish that the the woof movement uh, continues in great force, and that more people will be part of this family soon.
1: Thank you, Lucas. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. move <coughs>